Hey everybody, it is episode 31 of the Running Rogue podcast. This is Chris joining you from Rogue Running in Austin, Texas. As always, Steve is with me. Hey Steve. Coming at you from a hot Austin, Texas. <laughs> we are super excited about our guest today. Probably our biggest guest to this point, but we've had a really, really generous acceptance of an interview request from Adam Goucher, Kara Goucher, and, and their agent, Shanna Burnett, who are doing, obviously, doing amazing things in their sport from a performance level, but also big advocates for our sport in other ways as well. And so we had the opportunity to bring them on, do about a 50-minute interview with the three of them, talking about the state of the sport, training with Kara and some of her tips and perspectives on training and the coaches as, as, those, as those have varied across her career, and then a little bit on family life as well as they raise their son, Colt. So I think, I think our listeners are really going to enjoy the varied and wide-ranging topics we discuss. We start off kicking it a little on the, little on the down, and, <laughs> and uh, we were a little nervous as this got started about whether or not we would be able to help pull it up, but I think that sort of set the tone, as you all will hear, and then created a great opportunity later on in the show for both Adam and Kara to sort of share who they are as people. I think that's one of the things that comes shining through in this interview. So you all, we hope you really enjoy it. Yeah, we love it because they're authentic and they don't put on a mask for the fans. They say it like it is. And that's absolutely true in the 50 minutes we have with them. So, And deeply needed in our culture and it deeply needed in our sport. And to have two of those, those two keep it real um, makes me really excited about the future of our sport absolutely one note before we jump in there was a slight clicking sound on kara's connection we apologize for that but i don't think it inhibits how you can hear her speaking in any way so with that we'll jump in here we go 50 minutes with kara and adam goucher and their agent shanna burnett enjoy we are excited to have kara goucher adam goucher and their agent shanna burnett joining us Hey guys, thank you for coming on. Thanks for having us. Thank you. We're gonna start because yeah, we just yes, of course we just had we just did a recap show on USA's. We did a pre a preview show on USA's that, and as we've talked about, kind of previewing this, we we love making fans of the sport. So we wanted to start there and just simply ask if you watched USA's and if you did, what stories and results were most inspiring, and I'm going to take this one to you, Kara. Oh, gosh. Um, there were a lot of upsets. It was very interesting track meet. I personally loved seeing Sarah Vaughn make the team after so many years, and I enjoyed the men's 800, seeing some new, fresh faces kind of come to the forefront. Um, but it was just a great meet overall. I thought it was great. I loved seeing Molly Huddle do a really difficult double, you know, not even 20 hours to rest in between. So it was just an exciting meet. We'll talk about Sarah some more because she was she came after you at Colorado, right? And so, what has been yeah. your relationship with her? And you know, she had kids early. A lot of people didn't know that she she had kids starting in college. So, as she was interviewed after her results, she said, "Look, this is kind of all I've known training as a professional." But how has your relationship with evolved with her evolved over time? Honestly, I didn't go to school with Sarah. My younger sister did. She ran with Sarah and was actually I did. in her wedding. Oh, Shanna, yeah, Shanna ran with her. Um, I met her later, and 
got to know her when um, both her husband Brent and I were running uh, for Bowerman Track Club. And so I've known her for a long time now. We ran together a lot in Portland, and we ran together here. And I just think um, it was really exciting to see someone who's just sort of grinded it out for so many years, and she's just kind of always believed it could happen. And to see her finally get there and to really execute a race perfectly, I mean, her plan was to stay out of trouble and then just kick super hard that last 300. And, I mean, she followed it to a T, and to have it work out the way it did was really it was really exciting to see that happen for her, and I think it gives a lot of people hope to, to keep pursuing their dreams because you never know when it's finally going to come together. Yeah, it was, a, it was super exciting. I was coaching at the University of Texas when Sarah was running at Colorado. Um, I was the women's distance coach, so I've gotten to see Sarah run or have been following her career for a long, long time, probably longer than most folks who aren't Colorado fans have or people who are from where she's uh-huh. from, so... It was really exciting to see her have a great day and see her. And she just switched. She just started coaching herself recently, hasn't she? Isn't that what she sort of shifted to that model for herself? Um, Brent, Brent is coaching her. Oh, that's right. Been a really Brent good is. partnership. Yeah, yeah. Because I think maybe he um, helps out a little bit more at home. Maybe he's a little bit more invested now that she's coached. So I think it's been a really good relationship for both of them. And obviously, it's, she's having a lot of success on the track. So it's working for her. So we're going to take the next question to Adam, kind of following up on that. Adam, as you watch USA's and as you follow the sport today, what are the, who are the young athletes that you're excited to see hit the track or hit the roads? Who are the young up-and-coming athletes that people should be watching for? Oh, that's a great question that Kara could probably answer. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 you know what, guys? Like, I, I hate to say it, but I'm not. I do not follow the sport. Um, I follow my close friends that are still doing it, but other than that, I don't follow it. I've I've been so disheartened by uh, by this sport um, and and the the state in which it would which it's in. And um, so for me, it's it's not enjoyable to watch. Um, and so I don't because it's not enjoyable, and I get frustrated and and um, so yeah so uh Kara's a diehard fan um watches it even in the worst of times and um whereas whereas I don't so um obviously I was tremendously proud of Sarah that she um you know made the team after so long um and so but you know up and coming I couldn't tell you honestly I hate to say it well let's talk about the dark side for a second we talked about keeping it positive but I think it's important for people to understand your perspective. And one of the things, at least in my reaction, coming what reading through the the USADA report that was recently leaked, one of the things that was saddening about that, seeing an athlete like Dathan answer some tough questions there and knowing that he was put into tough questions or tough situations where his coach, his boss, his contract his financial livelihood was tied to decisions he was making around his training and the pressures he was getting from various places to make those decisions. And, you know, I'm sure he was uncomfortable in a lot of those situations. So that dark underbelly, you know, is some of what you're talking about. Well, let's, let's talk about it. So what did you, or if you could summarize or help people understand that position as an athlete, how would you explain it? Uh, is that directed to me or Kara? Or uh, you, Adam. Or me. Okay. Um, 
yeah, you know, I don't, I don't know. I, I, on one hand, I feel for him, and on the other hand, I don't. Um, I think that it's a very tough position to be in, and, and the sport. And and I, when I when I talk about my disheartening with the sport, I'm talking more about not just about the doping side of things, and talking about the actual state of the support, the state of the sport, the people that run it, USA Track and Field, IAAF, all the way at the International Olympic Committee. Like it, they have done a tremendous disservice to the, the athletes and um, the way they're treated. And so really what it comes down to is here's an athlete through all that process who was one of the best American distance runners of all time. Um, and to say that he's been put in a position where he has to um, decide whether or not he's going to to do this or not, um, he has to look at, well, I have a family to feed and house to put over, a roof to put over their head on one hand, and then on the other hand, um, you know, I have nothing else <laughs> because he has no other option because he has no other endorsement, right? Because why would one of the best runners of all time in America have only one endorsement, right? He has no option. So Nike, Nike throttles you down. You have no other choice. So now here he is with no other choice having to make a very hard decision. Now, in my opinion, it's not a hard decision because it comes down to integrity and it comes back down to what you stand for in life. And, um, but I can't speak for other people when they make that wrong decision. So it's just this vicious cycle and it goes all the way to the top. And, um, it's like I said, um, it's a tough position, but, but he shouldn't have to be worrying about whether or not he doesn't do this. If he doesn't perform, he's getting pressure from his coach that if he doesn't do it, then he's going to lose his contract and he's going to lose, you know, his livelihood and, and the ability to take care of his family. And obviously Kara, you've lived that pressure in some way too. How have you maintained a positive outlook through all of this, including, you know, coming out as a whistleblower and still being a fan in spite of some of the challenges that Adam was talking about? Yeah, I mean, there's definitely been a lot of dark days where I didn't love the sport anymore and I didn't believe anything that I was seeing and you just kind of go down this rabbit hole. But in the end of the day, like, um, I love running. I love what running's given to me. I love the experience of running. I love the relationships that help me form. I love the opportunities it's given me. And so I still love watching someone kick it in and win by surprise, like watching Robbie Andrews kick it in and win that 1500. I still like seeing that. I like seeing, you know, Emma Coburn go out there with all the pressure on the world and still pull off the victory and Jenny Simpson. And so there's so many things about it that I still love. And so it's kind of like, making an actual choice to focus on those things. There are times where I have to focus on the negative things and it's hard and it doesn't make me like the sport. It makes me a little bitter and a little angry. Um, and so when I'm fighting for something like in a doping case or discussing with USADA or, or IAAF, you know, I might have to be a little bit angry, but I'm, I, then I choose to leave that behind and to focus on all the, the cool things that still are there. You know, the, when Adam made his first team, it was beautiful and exciting and awesome. And there are still people that are experiencing that. And I want to I wanna see that and feel their joy because I still love that part of the sport. Kara, this question is um, coming at you. 
Um, so one of the really cool things that's happened over the over the the, uh, the advent of social media and the ability to get connected with not only the sport or or the world in general, but you have an ability to get connected to your fans. How how have you seen the relationship? Because you've been doing this for long enough to have gone through this sort of sea change that in the way that people are connecting with each other. How have you seen social media and oh, a fun? change the way that you relate to your fans and how your fans relate to you because that is one positive change one significant change that's happened over the last you know five or six years can you speak a little bit to how that you through your career how you've seen your relationship with your fans change yeah definitely i mean i i was not a social media person in 2012 i had a contract with Nissan that required a facebook and twitter account um and i was like what am i going to say like thing that just like say what I just ate like how's this working who's gonna care and instead it's been this really cool thing where I've been able to talk to people I would never meet um and share what I'm going through the highs and the lows with people and so for me social media has been really cool and I'm thankful that Nissan <laughs> made me start an account five years ago um it's been really fun for me to just show my everyday life and to have people react and to have a platform where I can um have a conversation with people or just acknowledge that I hear their support. You know, I can just favor a tweet, um, and they know that I heard that. So for me, it's been really cool. It's really connected me with a lot of people from all over, and it's been a really positive thing for me. Well, we love it because, you know, it allows us to hear a voice that's just different. You know, when you were with Nike, and Nike generally, I think, does this. They sort of make their athletes robots in a way, and kind of hide the personality, but it was, there was definitely a shift in your voice when you came out, you know, to a new sponsor or a new sponsorship group because you had more freedom to be yourself. So how has, has that forced you to evolve as, as an athlete too? that sort of authenticity that has been driven by the shift, not only in what Steve was talking about, but also your shift to sponsors that are more willing to let you be yourself. You know, it was hard. It was weird for me at first um, when people would say, what do you want to say? What do you want to talk about? And I'd say, I don't know. Like, what do you want me to tweet? You know, um, and I kind of, it was weird at 34, however old I was, to be learning that you have a voice. A little bit embarrassing, honestly. Um, and it's, it's had its ups and downs. You know, as much as I love social media, it's a good place for people to come heckle me and um, people that disagree with my thoughts to to let me know on a constant basis that they disagree with my thoughts. So, um, but you know, in general, it's been good for me and it's, it's helped me to, I don't think that without being able to share my frustrations and to share the things that I care about, I would have been able to move on from some of the negative things I experienced. I think maybe it would have swallowed me up a little bit. Um, and so being able to share my thoughts, my concerns, my hopes, my dreams, my disappointments, um, and to just not, you know, I've said things where people say, I'll no longer follow you anymore. And I'm like, you know what? That's your right. And if you feel that strongly about it, we never were going to be friends anyway. And that's okay, you know? Um, but for me in general, it's been good to say what I think and say what I feel. I feel more authentic as a person. I feel more authentic in the life that I'm living. And it's helped my running because I don't, I don't feel like I'm trying to ever play a part anymore. I'm not trying to be like a good athlete. Um, that doesn't take any risks and that everyone likes that humble, you know, like next door apple pie. Um, I'm, I don't think I'm controversial, but I say what I think and that's okay. And, um, it's just, 
I don't know. It's just like nice to not worry about saying the wrong thing. I don't ever try to offend anyone, um, but I'm also not trying to be something I'm not. Cool. Adam, I'm going to toss one in your way. Um, we're really big fans of cross country here. Um, and I often mm-hmm. think that podcasting in general and also our sport in general is not really recognizing how important cross country is to our sport in general. But I want to you know, go back to that, uh, that famous tome running with the Buffaloes. I'm sure you've made tire at some point in time talking about that, or maybe you haven't had enough of an opportunity to talk about it. I wanted to t- just ask a question about how that book and that time in your life, how you remember that time in your life generally, but also how having Chris Lear with you that season and the ups and the downs, the tragedies and the triumphs that happen in that season. Now that you look at them, you know, 20 years in arrears, what, what do you see out of that? How, how, what is your experience of that now? So that book has been so influential and impactful on so many people. What was it like to live it? And then what's it like to live it down? Yeah, good question. Um, you know, I mean, living through it, you, you're you just going day to day. You're doing your thing, you know. It's kind of like Chris was there. He was a part of the team. He was just a figure there, you know. Uh, it, it was, he was documenting what we were doing. Um, so, for me, it was exciting on one hand because it was just different. Um, and I was going into my last season. Uh, and I was going to graduate that December. So I had two big things coming up, you know, um, finishing second as a freshman, um, and then never, um, bettering that up and, you know, up until I did <laughs> that, that season, um, you know, it just really stuck with me. And it was one of those things where it's like, I had to go out and I was my life. Couldn't leave it, you know, couldn't leave that second place as a freshman and not, not bettering it as my legacy, you know? Um, but I mean, you know, every year you work where I work so hard, and my teammates, everyone, we, we worked hard, and, and, you know, there's those ups and downs, and that's the inevitability of the sport, which really kind of fights sometimes. And, um, you know, like, I think mentally I was just so determined um, to, to get what I wanted out of that season that, um, you know, I, I just I couldn't be denied. Um, and then to let, and then as the year played out, as the season played out, and then, you know, when, when, um, when Chris passed, when, when he passed away on the bike accident, um, you know, Chris was one of my closest friends and uh, my roommate the, the year before and, um, someone that I loved and respected and, and just, and, and I never lost anybody that close to me in, in terms of like a friend, you know, um, I, I bought the grand, my grandparents, but um, years earlier, but just the difference of that daily interaction of somebody that you, you know, you trained hard with, you lived with, you worked with, and it was just like in someone so young. And, um, so it was, it was, it was a tough and a very great, big defining moment for not only me, but I mean, for our team, you know, to come together and, and, um, do right by him. Um, so, I mean, it, you know, I, I think it's, it, it's, it, it, I laugh. I, I love it. I love when people come and they say, oh, my gosh, running with the Buffaloes. I love it. It's one of my favorite reads, uh, you know. And, and, and the irony, the irony is that, you know, you, you mentioned the care, you know, how social media um, changed things, you know, um, throughout the years, the last five years or so. And um, I think, honestly, without that book, 
um, who knows? I, I'd be definitely lost in, you know, very, very possibly lost in the pages of, of running history. You know, I think that running with the Buffaloes has <clears throat> kept me relevant to the point of I have young kids, you know, there's young kids that are just starting out and, you know, the high school kids that are, their, their, their coaches are like, all right, everyone team has to read this, you know, and you read it and, and, and then who know who I am because of that book. And, um, it's, it's, it's pretty crazy. I mean, it's, it's, it's awesome on one hand. It really is. Um, and, um, sometimes I wonder, I, I, I think back and I'm like, was I that guy? <laughs> you know, like it's, it's been, you know, it's been a long time. Um, but, uh, yeah, you know, it's, it's really cool. I'm, I'm, I'm happy that I was able to be a part of it. And, um, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely happy that it still inspires and influences people in their, you know, in their training up to even to this day. How, how much do you think that book is about that, that experience that people have with that book is the walking along the path that your team took and all those ups and downs and how much of it was about how Chris could pull that story out because Chris, it was his first book. You know, it wasn't like he had, he, he was yeah. an author 10 times over or anything. There was so much yeah. new in all of that. I think, you know, so which which do you think, or is it more, far more nuanced than that? Um, you know, I, I, I think what, he had the right recipe, um, he, and he did a great job of pulling out our, our personalities um, and focusing on the, the trials that all each of us were going through. Um, and did a good job of our backstories and then, and then in that current time, that year and what we were going through with, you know, injury here, injury there and then pushing through or not pushing through. And then obviously having such a huge tragedy fall on the team, you know, and, um, it, it was the right mixture for, for the story and the right team, you know, I mean, we were, we, we had, had Chris. If Chris was still here, you know, and had we had he been there to race at that um, championship, that you know, we were we were gonna had a very good shot of winning that title. Yeah, you were only forty um, points out of the win, I believe. Only forty points out of a win, and one guy can make that happen easily. Absolutely, and he was our number two man, and um, so you know, we were favored to win, and I was you know favored to win as a as an individual, and so um, the fact that we ended up third was was I think I mean tremendous for for that season and just what we what we all went through and um, just laying it all out there on that day to, um, for Chris and 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 for ourselves obviously but really I mean, it, it just makes it that much more impactful and it's just and I think you know I think that I don't know what people I, I know there's there's one it's just a good story. And two, there's the, the, the training and the crazy training, and then people are like, oh, my God, I have to go to Magnolia Road. and have to go <laughs> run out there, you know. Um, and, and people, and that's what people do. It's, it's, it's insane. I mean, it's like, wow, it's crazy to me when I talk to people, and they're like, oh, yeah, we're, we're going to be in Boulder because we're going to hit all the spots in the book. I mean, I hear that, I would say probably eight times out of ten, um, people that I, you know, that, end up talking about the book with or said, yeah, I'm going to be doing that or I have done that with, you know, with friends. And I'm just like, wow. So they want to walk through that, uh, those, that path. 
um, is my is my guess, and and that it's just a good, cool story. <laughs> At the end of the day, I think. There's also a lot of lot of good training stuff in there. I remember. Yeah. skipping lunches for a little bit after reading it because I think you were skipping lunches that season <laughs> to get down to race weight. So uh, you had me, you had me hungry for a bit too after reading it. I, I, I would tell my I would tell anybody and everybody at this point like don't ever take nutritional advice from Adam Goucher at <laughs> college. Like, oh, that's awesome. I ate, I ate like three bowls of Lucky Charms every morning. So you know, like it was. I wasn't exactly the, uh, it didn't exactly uh, fit of my uh, health and in, in e- healthy eating habits. So, but um, yeah, you know, that, it's funny. It's like sometimes you forget about that stuff. So, but awesome. I, I'm sorry. I'm sorry you stopped eating lunch. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. It only lasted for a couple of days. <laughs> But uh, I will say, though, it, it kind of goes to show you how good storytelling can impact people's relationship with a sport. And I think that's one thing as a sport we've lost or at least don't have enough voices. And the voices that are telling the stories or have access to the stories aren't telling them at all or not telling them the right way, yeah. um, you know, whether it be USATF or NBC, although they're doing a better and better job, especially with you know getting some of the better announcers on the NBC gold side if you're willing to pay the $70 to get behind the paywall but yeah one big question I'll take this to Kara what else does our sport need to kind of take it to the next level um storytelling is huge i feel like there's a lot of missed opportunities on telling backstories and and even just describing what's happening in the race like describing people falling back, people making moves. Um, the storytelling is huge because if you're a fan of the sport, you know how exciting a 10,000 can be or how exciting a 1,500 can be or how amazing an 800 is when you really think about how they're anaerobic the entire second lap. So I feel like that's a big part of it. And I just think we need to break out of this bowl. And also I think there's a little danger in charging people to watch it. Um, people aren't watching it. And now we're going to charge people to watch it. It kind of seems like a backward idea. Like, you should be putting it out there more. You know, you can see bowling on ESPN but not track. So we need more exposure. And um, a lot of the rules we have where people aren't allowed to post, you know, scenes from the races and stuff, this is holding us back because we're not able to spread the word. We're not able to show these cool moments because the rights to that, to that race are owned by someone else. So we just need to... People need to, I don't know, get with the times a little bit more. Part of it, too, is adding more voices to the mix. You know, you guys have been innovative in your career, and Meb has as well, in terms of getting a portfolio of brands behind you. Now, that's easier for a road athlete than a track athlete, but, and also easier for somebody that has a higher profile. But what's it going to take to shift that paradigm? And maybe this is where we get Shanna into the conversation. Yeah, Shanna, you're up. (laughs) (laughs) I usually listen to you guys more. (laughs) Um, Well, I think the formula is already out there. And I I always say this when I talk about things. Like, you see these fitness influencers blowing up social media. And, you know, they're just like no one, nobody in particular, but they inspire a lot. And brands need to be more on board with, 
having like letting athletes have a voice because these are the most inspirational people that we have around us and if you know these fitness social media influencers can take the world by storm like we need these olympians and i think we're seeing it but having a voice and connecting to people and fans i mean that's the that's the main part and getting brands involved in their storytelling i think that's huge as well like i think brands hold a lot of accountability as well the other thing here is getting people brands fans and ideally administrators involved in cleaning up the sport you have helped start the clean sport collective i would love for our listeners to know more about what that is again talking to shanna here and what you guys are trying to accomplish with that initiative yeah for sure so the clean sport collective is a nonprofit around um, really, like, first and foremost, just awareness around clean sport. Obviously, all sports have issues, but we really wanted to change the narrative instead of every time we saw the media talking about an athlete that doped, let's start celebrating the athletes that do it the right way. And so we set up a membership where, every, like, anybody can pledge, and we have different levels of pledging, whether it's a pro athlete, a student athlete, an amateur athlete, a fan, um, a brand, an event. Like, there's systematic doping, but there's also systematic celebration. So we wanted to celebrate the people that are doing it the right way, and I know that athletes obviously take a lot of heat for whether they choose the right thing or not, but also why aren't we seeing the brands take heat for that as well? You know, like the brand sponsoring the athlete that doped, and they they can they should be held responsible. Same with the athletes and the coaches. I mean, the agents and the coaches. I mean, there is a lot of responsibility that lies on a lot of people. So you know, and we we truly believe that if brands wanted to clean up the sport, they could. I mean, we don't have to rely on the federations that maybe aren't doing anything. Um, and right now we're currently working on a curriculum. We wa- really want to touch youth athletes um, in education and, of course, like testing emerging sports. Like there's the sky's the limit on how like you can go about cleaning up the sport. But we really want to focus on helping the like different organizations through testing and then education in schools. Um, and really, like, how can we help inspire the future of our sport? Cool. That's really, really awesome. Thanks for sharing that with with us. Um, Kara, I have a question for you, kind of shifting gears. So one of the things we do at Rogue consistently is, well, one of our main platforms is training, and uh, we really like to highlight the coaches and the programs and the athletes that are doing things that we think the right way. Um, And you've had, you've, recently gone back to your coach relatively recently gone back to your coach in mark wetmore and, and heather burrows um talk tell us a little bit about how that transition happened and kind of how a coach has a play and a say in the things that you do as an athlete um and my main reason i think about this is sort of the the program at Colorado is really well known for everything from, you know, the 1500 all the way up to the 10 K they've had great successes in all those areas. But as you've switched to, you've switched to their program, you've had Heather and Mark have had to figure out how to handle a marathoner. How does, how has that worked and how has your relationship with them as coach athlete worked? 
Yeah, I reached out to them in 2013. Um, I was hoping to leave the situation I was in, and I just said, you know, would you ever be interested in coaching a marathoner? And Heather was like, we don't know anything about marathoning. Um, <laughs> Mark was like, well, actually, I have coached a few men in the marathon, and and then I was able to um, get out of my contract. So I uh, decided to move back. I, I thought... I needed something totally fresh or I was just going to be done. I was kind of in a negative place um, with the sport, and I thought if I could come back here and kind of get revived, maybe I could give, you know, Rio a go. And so I came back here, and it was it was a, it was a pretty easy transition. I mean, it was pretty funny. Like, it was before the new indoor facility was done, so we were meeting, you know, for stretching circle in the same place I used to meet at the same time, doing the <laughs> same stretches. Um, some of the workouts are the same as, you know, three, two, ones is a big one and, and LTs are the same workout that I did in college, but, but there was a lot of differences as well. There was a lot more rest worked into things and, um, different workouts and paying attention a little bit more to, you know, your recovery and things like that. So it was fun. I, I got back to some speed work that I hadn't done in a couple of years and, and got injured right away, but then was able to kind of get over that and get into a good rhythm and, you know, Heather was not my coach when I was at CU. She was my teammate. So right. that was a little bit different, but I, I was nervous about how that would be. Um, but instead, it, it was totally fine. She's kind of like an older sister that I can really trust and talk to, and she and Mark work really well together. And so it's been really fun, and it's been fun to sort of stretch them in the marathon. I think the first marathon Heather really watched was the Olympic trials and she was standing on the sidelines with Adam and she was like, this is crazy. This is a stupid event. Like, this is so long. (laughs) Fortunately, I couldn't hear her because I was running, but it's been fun to sort of stretch them as coaches and, and also just be back. And there's just a lot of trust there. And, um, Mark really took me from a nobody to a a national champion in college. So for me, I, I have a lot of trust in him and faith in him. And he and Heather work really, really well together. So for me, it's been really fun, and it keeps me young. You know, I get to run with the college women sometimes and the college men when I'm really fit. And I get to run with Jenny Simpson and Shalea Kipp and Sarah Sutherland, who are really good and at the you know still at that super, super elite level. And so for me, it's just been refreshing and fun. And even though sometimes I feel really old, I think it's keeping me young. So in the midst of all that marathon training, and you've been coached, now by Mark and Heather and and Jerry Schumacher and Alberto at the marathon level. And so do you have, in the midst of all of that, a go-to marathon workout that sort of is your litmus test to determine if you're ready or not? Or has that evolved over time? It's actually really funny. Alberto had a workout that I did to know if I was ready. Jerry had a workout. And then Mark and Heather have a workout. And they're all totally different workouts. Um. And so, you know, with Alberto, it was like a 10-mile tempo where I was um, alternating 20 seconds faster than goal pace and 20 seconds lower than goal pace. And then with Gary, it was um, like tempoing and then milers and tempoing. And then with Mark and Heather, it's been this loop that I do, um, the four-and-a-half-mile loop, seven-minute break, four-and-a-half-mile loop, seven-minute break, and then two miles all out. So it's kind of funny how none of the workouts are the same between those three coaches. Um, There's really, like, no overlap. But I'm... When I have faith in a coach, I have faith in a coach. So if you tell me this is the workout that I need to do that's going to show me where I'm ready, I mean, I, I'm I'm pretty easily coachable because I'm 100% in kind of person. So it's been it's been totally fine. But it, it is kind of funny when I look back, 
Um, with Alberto, I didn't, I ran on the pavement, but um, I was only running like 80 miles a week. And then I did, you know, another 20 on the Alter G. And then I did a ton of cross training. With Jerry, I just banged out miles, you know, anywhere from 120 to 100. I hit one 135 mile a week. And then with Mark and Heather, it's pretty much just all running, but not quite as much as Jerry. Like maybe 115 when I'm at my peak. So it's kind of been three totally different programs, but I've had success at all three. And um, I'm kind of glad it, it never really gets stale. Cool. Um, one of the things we also talk about a lot on this podcast is, is sort of focusing on the mental part of training and what happens you know, between the ears after the gun goes off. So much time is spent talking about all the workouts that people do and all the amazing sessions that they've done. But not very often when we set up a racing strategy, but we don't always have the people don't always talk about what their mental plan is. We talk in the marathon about a devil sort of starting to talk in your ear at about the 18 mile mark. What is the Carol? What's the devil saying in your ear at that point in time in the race? Yeah, that's perfect, right? Because if you're running the marathon perfectly for me anyway, I actually don't have any thoughts. I'm not confident or I'm not cocky, but I'm not um, worried. And I'm like, people always want to know what I'm thinking about. And I'm literally thinking of nothing. It's like white noise. Like if you turn on a television and it just sounds like kind of staticky, that's what my brain is like. And it's usually around that 18, you know, somewhere between 16 and 20 where reality sets in that you, you're hurting, right? I don't care who you are. It starts to hurt. <laughs> I don't care how fit you are. Yeah. The shit gets um, real. And that's, <laughs> yeah, it's going to come. And, um, that's why you, you have to be prepared for that and you have to know it's going to come. One of the things that's helped me the most is is just knowing it's going to come and admitting it to myself. And that wasn't even just in the marathon. You know, one of the things when Adam and I first started dating, he really helped me with was, I don't care how fit you are, there's going to come some point in that 5K where you're going to doubt yourself. And, and it's okay, like, admit it to yourself so that you're not like, no, no, I'm not going to doubt myself. You know, like, that voice is going to come. Um, and for me, it's always been a self-confidence thing, like, you don't really belong here. You've just gotten lucky. Um, but I have to have a lot of techniques to learn how to just shut that voice up. And, you know, like, I like to use, like, a word or a vision that sort of focuses me back to all of the training I've done. Even when I've had terrible workouts, but I still thought through and finished them, and maybe I was off on my pace, but I still finished it, right? So um, I actually keep a confidence journal that I can look at the night before a race that is different than my training log, which just, like, gives a little positive thing on every workout, even bad workouts, even if it's, like, didn't quit or didn't crap my pants, whatever it is, <laughs> right? Like, something positive. And then I can remind myself that I've been in really challenging situations for the last three months, and tomorrow's not going to be any different. And so then when, I, when that little voice comes in, that's for me, it's always about, like, I'm not good enough, um... I can silence it. I can kind of take myself back to know I've, I know that I'm ready. I know that I've done the work and it's, it's hurting for everyone. And, um, I'm just gonna, you know, constantly look for that one positive thing that's telling me I'm doing okay. Whether it's my breathing or my cadence, I'm going to look for that one thing where I'm like, you know, my breathing's still good. So I'm still good. Didn't crap my pants. I like that one. So, so you, well, we've all been there. Yeah, we have. So you've recently also faced another challenge, which is kind of coming back from a big, big time off. I personally recently been dealing with big chunks of time off as well. And it's hard coming back because you, you can't sometimes even remember, you know, if it's possible to get back to where you were. I heard you on Carrie's Tollison's podcast say, you know, that it helped you kind of relate to that 
either new runner or that runner that's restarting after some time off. What words of encouragement do you have from your recent experience with that for that person who might be in a similar spot? Yeah, I mean, I I get it, right? Like, um, my birthday's in a couple weeks, and I can't wait to be done to be done with the year of my thirty eighth year because it's been sucky um, injury time off, and then it seems like every time I get like a good rhythm going, I I get injured again, and so I hate it. Um, but I do think it's been in a weird way good for me because it it helps you see like someone that's new that's starting or someone that's struggling with their first injury. It's it's tough, and there's so many reasons to just quit and give up and um it's it's in a weird way it's good reminder for me of um how hard it is for people to get going in this sport and and you know those those times happen to everybody and I think it just helps it makes me respect the people that um the everyday runners that gets up and runs on the weekends they have a full-time job or they have a bunch of kids or they have just a normal life and they're really dedicated to it and they have setbacks and they have frustrations you know, like my life is built around running for the most part. I mean, not so much now. I have a child that needs a lot more attention, but um, it still is built around running more than other people. So, yeah, it's it's. I don't like getting hurt. Um, I can't wait for this year of my life to be over, but it's been a really good reminder of um, that there's a lot of other people feeling what I'm feeling on a daily basis, and you're not alone. You're not alone when you feel that way. There's so many other people that are dealing with an injury or or just dealing with anxiety about something in relation to running and, and they're out there and they, they get it and they know what you're going through and, um, they're, they want you to get through it. They really do. That's, that's good. I love the words of encouragement. Adam, I'm going to go to you. We're going to switch gears. Kara brought it up. Family side of things obviously has played a big role in the last 10 years of your life. What's a date night for Adam and Kara? three of my own. So I understand how that works. One thing I wanted to ask you, yeah. one thing I want to ask you dad to dad, one of the things that's hard okay. for me as a dad, and I had a dad who was active in my life. I know you, you know, weren't as lucky and were more raised by your mom and sisters, uh-huh. but as modern men, so to speak, living in a world and you, you called yourself a feminist on Carrie's podcast, which I really appreciate because I don't think enough men own that label and understand what it really means for a guy to be that. But as a modern dad and as a dad who wants to support equality for, for women, there's not a lot of blueprints for us. 
because for the most part, our, our dad didn't teach us that. And so as you've kind of grown to become a father, how have you shaped your own approach as a parent? Oh, um, that's, uh, that's a great question too. You got full of good questions. Um, I, uh, yeah, you know what? I, I think, um, my whole blueprint on parenting, honestly, like, as you said, it really wasn't much. Um, I, um, I, I'll be quite honest with you. When we found out we were having a boy, I was, I panicked. I was really scared. I'm not going to, not going to lie. I was honestly, I was like really, really nervous because I never had to deal with another, like a younger male person. Right. I mean, I was like, yeah, I, I grew up with my mom and two sisters and then Kara and, and um, her two sisters and mom, just kind of like, you, you kind of, you know that that's kind of what, you know, <laughs> and um, I'm like, I can, I can relate. I can, I, I kind of understand women a little bit. Um, you know, but, but I just always assumed I'd have a girl. And so when I found out I was going to have a guy, I was like, a, a guy, a boy, I was like, oh my God, I, I can't. Because then you start thinking about all the things that dads are supposed to do with their boys and, um, you know, camping and, and hunting, fishing or whatever else. It's just all these things that are just, just like the, the typical kind of, you know, hey, this is what men do with their boys and their family. Um, you know, and, and that's, kind of worried me, but, um, actually my, my brother-in-law, um, my sister's husband, husband said to me, like, you'll, you'll just figure it out as you go and you're, you'll do You'll share those experiences as you go. You know, Colt and I will learn them as we, you know, we'll do it together and we'll figure it out as we go. So for me, it was, it was, I just knew like the most important thing to me was to make sure that I was there for, for him, um, in every way I could be. And because, I didn't have that. Um, my dad wasn't there for in, in a lot of majority of the time. He wasn't around, so um, I felt I was lonely a lot, um, you know, and confused. And I just I didn't want Colt to ever have to experience the things that I did, you know, when I was younger. So my way of parenting was to be there and to no matter what it was to be there and. Um, sharing the experience and just be present and, and, um, you know, teaching, teaching right from wrong, <laughs> you know, just what everyone wants to do, but, um, pretty simple. I mean, that's really it for me. It's just, just be there. And, um, it's the most important thing in my life, I think is, um, as a father and as a husband. Kara, we'll take it to you to kind of respond to that. You know, Adam was one of the fiercest of all competitors on the track and, and or on the cross country course and so how has it been for you watching him transform from that into a dad who's sort of more cuddly and lovable and i know you saw the softer side of him before but how has that transformed that image or perception of him as you've seen him become a father yeah i mean adam is still adam right i mean he <laughs> he's still is he's just a feisty personality um but he his love for Colt is just unbelievable. Um, what he would do for Colt and for me, really. You know, Adam was so nervous when we found out we were having a boy because he was like, I don't know how to be a good dad. And I'm like, it's the same as if you had a daughter. You're going to love him. You're going to be there. And he takes so much joy in 
activity with Colt and growing with Colt. I mean, they were fishing last weekend in Minnesota, and they're just both beaming and talking about it. So, you know, I, I did already know that side of Adam, or we wouldn't have been married for, you know, 15 and a half years now. But um, it's beautiful. It's beautiful to see him with Colt and the way he, you know, just loves him unconditionally. Um, but don't don't let him fool you. That feisty guy is still there. <laughs> we believe it. <laughs> So, so let's talk a little bit about kind of what's happening now and what's, and what's happening next as we kind of wrap this up. Going to you, Kara, you just launched, as we're talking, the, yesterday and the day before, uh, registration for your podium retreats coming up this fall. Talk a little bit about that. I know you said you only had one spot left, so by the time this airs, it'll probably be gone. But for those that might be interested for future years, talk about that and also what it means to you in a way to connect with fans. Yeah, um, it, this is, will be the fourth year, and it, it really is just a passion project for me. Um, I just, I used to go to the Nike Women's Marathon, and it would always be my favorite weekend of the year, and there would be women going there, they'd be running their first ever half marathon, they'd go with their girlfriends, and they would share this awesome experience, and they would finish the half marathon, and they'd feel empowered, and I that's kind of what um, was, like, my inspiration for this. I was like, man, like, I want to get women together and I want them to see other women and all they have in common is running. But when, but when they leave, they have, you know, 60 new friends that they can rely on. They can count on each other. They can call each other out of the blue and say, I'm in your town. And it's really just about bringing women together and helping them have tools. You know, we don't really talk training at the camp. We do track injury prevention and things like that. But um, it's mostly about living your best life, whether it's, nutritionally or you know like this year we're going to focus a lot on self-defense so feeling stronger about yourself um we have a lot of stuff that's really emotional so it's a very safe place because we share a lot of really deep things but honestly it's just a huge passion project of mine and um the fact that people come to it it still sort of shocks me but it's something i'll do every year it's not um yeah i just love it and i look forward to it every year and it, it really like fills my cup moving forward for the rest of the year and while Kara is doing that, Adam. You are also inspiring people through your company, Run the Edge, and your Run the Year challenges. And it was really interesting to hear on on Carrie's podcast some of the stories you told of the inspirational emails and things you get and feedback. But talk about Run the Year and what you're doing with that and how people could potentially get involved or sign up if they're interested. Um, yeah, I, you know, Run the Edge is, it's evolved um, through the years, just like any other company, I think. Um, but um, we've, we've really honed in on our, our virtual fitness challenges, and uh, I think that that's where our, our calling truly is. Um, you know, what it what we do is we just, you know, we have our, our run the year. Um, so, you know, 2017 this year is our third year. I'm running 2017 miles of 2017. Um, doing it as an individual, or you can do it with up to four people on a team. Um, and then we're just about to launch um, in the next um, couple of days. We're going to um, open up registration for our a marathon challenge, and that's um, essentially a, run, uh, a challenge to run 3,521 miles. Uh, not just a run; you can run, bike, swim, a hike, whatever to get your miles in. Um, and you can do that with individually or as a team. And really, what we found is, is we we just kind of through, through our passion for running, um, 
we found people who share in that passion and want to be involved in a group of, of, of positive um, people who are kind of dealing with things in their, you know, in, in the same in the same realm. So you know, going, kind of going through the same similar experiences, and so kind of building community. Um, so I mean, it's it's very it's fulfilling and exciting um, to see what we're doing and, and uh, um, get the squishy letters we get and from, from our participants and to be be involved on that side of things. There's people getting out there and just kind of getting excited about. Um, getting fit, just just getting out the door and doing something, and being a part of a community that's just kind of sharing in that, and and, and, and it's a safe place where people can um, talk to one another and, and without with knowing they're not going to be ridiculed or teased or anything, you know. Um, so it's it's a, it's pretty awesome, um, and you know the easiest way to find us is just runtheedge.com, you know, um, you know and that'll take you. From there, you'll be able to find um, our two our challenges run the year or a marathon, and um, you know we're we're excited. We're continuing to grow. We're we're constantly making the experience more fun, better, more interactive, um, and so it's it's uh, it's a it's a pretty cool pretty cool life for, that I that I get to live, you know, and um, and that I get to help create this and and um, implement it and see the excitement. So you are still engaged in the sport, Adam. You're just engaged at the grassroots level. We love it. I'm sorry, you cut out there a little bit. I was just saying, you're engaged at the grassroots level. You're still engaged in the sport, just at the grassroots level. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, and I thought about that a little bit earlier. I should have clarified. I mean, I love running. Don't get me wrong. Um, When we were talking about the the sport as the the elite side of things is where I've kind of been disheartened, disenchanted. So... Um, but what running brings to people in their lives and, and is just extremely powerful, and um, it's exciting to be able to be a part of that. Um, because, you know, like Kara said, it's something that we've all gone through. You know, I've gone through and continue to go through. So it's it's um, at the grassroots level, getting people out there and getting um, working toward the goal and living a healthy life. So it's, it's a lot of fun. We... we we have a good time and our participants have a good time and it's just, it's great. It's great. Well, we love it. And last question, Kara, we know you just raised a bit of a rust buster in your, your home state and Duluth. What's next for you? Is there a race on the calendar yet? Um, so yeah, I did quote unquote race in Duluth, um, but I had had a lot of really bad injuries leading up to that. So um, you know, if people want to ignore that race, that's fine by me. Um, I'm looking forward to some racing probably in August and forward. I have a marathon penciled in on the calendar, and so I'm excited about that. And just like I said, this the last year has been a huge challenge health-wise, and um, I think I'm finally getting over that. And so I'm just really excited about the future. I would love to put up a up 2.30 time and get back into that, you know, competing for spots. And so we'll see what happens, but um, it's been it's been hard to get to this point, but now I'm looking forward because I feel like we're, we finally crested the mountain. Now it's time for the fun stuff. Well, that's good to hear, and we're definitely rooting for you. So you'll, Thank you. you'll, you'll hear some loud cheers coming from Austin once we hear the race coming up. So 
Okay, cool. Thank you guys for joining us. This has been a pleasure. We really, really appreciate it. So that's a wrap. There you go. 50 minutes with Adam, Kara, and Shanna. That's so a cool, cool trio. <laughs> I, I don't know about you, Steve, but I was super nervous <laughs> going into it because I'm a super fan. I'm a big fan of all, all of them because of what they're doing in different ways. Most people in our sport don't know Adam, but in a lot of ways, he had some successes that exceeded what Kara has ever been able to accomplish. Nine-time U.S. champion being one example. Six I don't know. Silver medal at the silver medal at the World Championships. I it, don't know. It's true. No, not knocking on Yeah, but he was six, six at World Cross. Yes, but he anyway, was. point being, yes. he's a name that Everyone. people don't hear enough of, and I'm glad that we are able to get the three of them on together. And of course, Shanna's doing really big, important things with the Clean Sport Collective. So I was glad we got her voice in there as well. But as we debrief quickly and then wrap it, what were your reactions, surprises? Any, th- any commentary, Steve? Yeah, well, first of all, I just was, as I said in the intro, I was a little worried with that first kicking off with Adam saying that he's disheartened and completely frustrated in the sport, which, honestly, Chris, you and I both agree with. We are equally in the same position. I think we agree in a lot of the same ways that Adam does and Kara does, except for the fact that they know more than we do. And not that they're not necessarily telling, but... In a sense, how do you tell all the things that they probably know? And it's best to let the things play out the way they need to. And we wanted to stay away from that topic generally anyway, except to just give them... Um, we wanted to stay positive. And I think the way you started it was positive, and then Adam sort of turned it the other way. But, folks, that's why this podcast exists, because we struggle and wrestle with that 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 two-sided beast that our sport is, which is... How do you know who's doing what and what's happening and who's doing it right? And how is our sport even taking advantage of these fantastic stories that Kara and, and Kara was talking about too, you know? So ultimately, my, my biggest thing was just, just Adam describing almost explicitly what the real challenge of our entire system is. He got right down to brass tacks that quick. And yet he still, as we talked later, you found out that he's completely still in the sport, completely running, doing everything he can to get grassroots level people running, people who might have image issues, people who might have, who are totally beginners, people who have no view of themselves as a runner. Here's a guy who ran at the highest levels, married to a woman who is still at the highest levels, talking to people on an everyday level. And that's what we do here at Rogue. So we're super cool. We think it's really cool to hear that. So that was one of the biggest, coolest takeaways for me. The next thing really was um, the, t- the conversation that, that, that Adam had about his being a dad. I thought that was a great question you asked, Chris. You and your experiences being a father, asking Adam about his experiences, knowing the challenges he had um, growing up. And I thought he gave it straight and, and, and beautifully. Um, again, I can't reiterate, everyone should be a super fan of Kara's. We are all super fan of Kara's. Hopefully you guys are a super fan of Adam's as well. Yeah, my, well, on the Adam point, I completely relate because as you said, I've been there. I've been to that place where I'm like, I'm done. I'm sick (laughs) of the doping. I'm sick of the bullshit at the top of the sport with the administrators and IWF and everyone who's complicit sometimes in in the bullshit. So I get it. I've been there. But I love that we came back to the fact that he still finds inspiration in the sport through everyday people that are doing it on their own because that's largely what has kind of brought me back around was, you know, being inspired through the athletes I coach. Yes. And then that bringing me back to kind of being able to focus on the positive sides of the top of the sport 
like Kara has been able to do and she referenced. So I get it. And I'm glad he was real there. And, and even though it wasn't what, the way we had planned to start, but it, it, it definitely made it authentic and real from the beginning. The other thing I thought was cool was Kara talking about the devil on her oh, shoulder. Was, you know, you yes. asked that question. and I think that was perfect because everybody who's run a marathon can relate to what she was talking about there. Well, it was kind of weird the way she started it too. She was like, Oh hell no. You just go into the white space. You just go in this, you know, you, you go into flow state, which she called like, like a little staticky, but basically she's describing flow state. And then she said, then she, I was so happy to hear her say, but yeah, then, then the shit hits the fan. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, but it's, it's that way. I mean, when everything's going smoothly, you're not necessarily thinking a lot. You're just grooving. And then when it hits the fan, all the doubts come and I loved her tip there on having a positivity journal where she was right. writing positive things about every single thing, whether, whether a workout went bad or good. She's still writing positive things. Separate from her training log. I, yeah. I think that's a great idea and something we should ask all our listeners to consider doing. And probably we'll be building that into more of the mental training stuff we get, getting a, trip, a tip from the pro. <laughs> Especially for those that struggle with negative self-talk, like just turn it on its head. Yep. And so that was a really cool practical tip. But I also liked hearing Kara talk about Adam as a dad. I think that's cool, you know, especially because, you know, we know as fans one side of Adam, really, which is the angry, fierce side. And so it was cool to kind of hear her, her perspective from it, from the inside. But mainly, as we kind of talked about, as we were debriefing just you and I, it's, it's just refreshing to have two people plus Shanna, three people that are authentic, that are willing to speak their minds, that are willing to fight for our sport and in doing it in a way where they don't care about sugarcoating anything or trying to be somebody they're not. And we need more of that, as you said, but we also need fans to respond and you know, to listen to these things, to connect with Kara on Facebook, to follow her career, to go back and read Running with the Buffaloes because, man, what a powerful book for anybody who's interested at all in this sport and, and just be a fan. I, I agree. I think Two, one of the things that she talked about, which is so much needed in our world, is, is reframing or reinvigorating the storytelling elements of our sport. We're able to do the play-by-plays. We're able to talk about the post and the pre, the pre and the post. But rarely are we talking about what's actually happening in a race as it goes on and all the variables that are happening we try to do that in our podcast um, I think both the two of us will probably be pushing more and more to try to do that within the telling the stories of our athletes that we coach telling the stories of the races as we see them because we bring a different perspective both a high and a low both a, a, a completely involved and also sort of like a, a coach side and a fanboy side that we both carry we both have both of those yep. sides um, but to me one of the things I've been excited about over the last few years is that there are storytelling opportunities. The problem is it's hard to find them, and we, it looks like we're just going to have to make them, or we're going to have to ask others to make them. Um, Which is why we're doing what we're doing, right? Well, ultimately, we sat around, me drinking beer, you drinking water and talking smack, right? <laughs> and now we're realizing, wait, not only more that there's stories to tell, we're excited that people are listening to the stories, but I think the most exciting thing is that there's stories to tell, and there are plenty of stories so to tell. Many, so, so many. So many. So thanks again to Adam, Kara, and Shanna for joining us. Super, super cool. Great guests. We really appreciate that. And, of course, thanks to everybody for listening. 
You can always find us and find more information on us at roguerunning.com or follow us on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook at Rogue Running. You can also subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, and iHeartRadio if you want to get regular updates on this podcast when we post our content every Monday. So And tell us how we're doing. We keep asking y'all to do it. Keep tell keep tell us how we're doing. We really want to know. We really uh, appreciate the feedback and dialogue. So definitely do that as well. Thanks everybody again. This is episode 31. We'll talk to you next time.